Welcome to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, an integrative health podcast by Center for New Medicine. We created the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast as an extension of our mission to educate and empower individuals along their health journey. This integrative health podcast will bring you in-depth expert interviews on a plethora of health topics. Tune in bi-weekly for interviews on how to create a non-toxic lifestyle, integrative approaches to treating complex health concerns like diabetes, Lyme's, Hashimoto's, Crohn's, adrenal fatigue, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, cancer prevention, early cancer detection, integrative cancer treatments, and so much more. Through the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, we hope to provide cutting-edge, science-based information you can use to create a happier and healthier life for you and your loved ones. Welcome back to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. I'm Leanne, and today we actually have a really fun episode interview between Dr. Brittany Patak, who was just on the show a couple weeks ago, and Kashif Khan, the founder of the DNA Company. So Dr. Patak is actually the host of this episode interviewing our guest, Kashif, and they are talking all about genetic testing, why our DNA doesn't need to dictate what our health can look like, but how appropriate genetic testing can really give us a lot of empowerment and information that we can then make better health and lifestyle decisions based on. We're so excited here at the Center for New Medicine and the Cancer Center for Healing because the DNA testing that we're talking about in this interview is something that we are now offering to patients. And it's something that you don't need a doctor's order to get. You can actually order this today on your own, get your results in a few weeks, and then book an appointment or a consultation with one of our practitioners preferably Dr. Brittany Patak because she is so well trained in DNA and genetics and this test in particular that she'll really be able to help go over your test results with you and give you some very, very refined lifestyle supplement recommendations. So definitely check the show notes for this interview because we'll have the information on how you can order this test at home. It's really clearly laid out in you know three simple steps with the link already there in the show notes to make it very, very easy for you guys. So with that, please enjoy this interview between Dr. Brittany Patak and Kashif Khan. Good morning. This is Dr. Patak at the Center for New Medicine and Cancer Center for Healing. I'm very excited to announce that we are bringing DNA testing to our center uh, through a partnership with the DNA company. So with us today, I have Kashif Khan, the CEO of the DNA company, who's going to walk us through what the test is and how it can help all of our patients. Awesome. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, welcome. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got the DNA company started? Yeah, so I actually don't come from the industry. I was a, a PR and marketing guy. So we, I'm in Toronto, Canada, and we ran a PR firm where we did work for from Canada's biggest companies right down to mom and pop shops, you know, helping them grow their businesses. I really enjoyed that part, which is, you know, the from zero to something, helping them grow it. In my mid thirties, I'm now 42. 
I got pretty sick, you know, which was it's a typical entrepreneurial story where you you think you're invincible and sleep is weakness and you know taking care of yourself is weakness. So you just push and push and push. And I had eczema, psoriasis, acid reflux. I had you know migraines that were so debilitating that I would end up my business partner would have to drive me home. I couldn't even drive. Um, and they're all being treated as different things. You know, the skin doctor was doing this. The migraine doctor was sending me for MRIs. The acid reflux guy was looking at something and it was all, I was like, what are all these medications? What am I doing? So I kind of paused, took a step back and said, let me just investigate myself, which is where a lot of people that end up in a functional medicine approach kind of come from. And when I dove into my genetics for the first time, I learned that it was all the same thing. There's a central hub of cellular failure because of the load that I was exposing myself to, not enough sleep, poor diet, mismatched diet, I should say, uh, environmental exposures that eventually I had done enough of those things where it was just all these spokes of problems started coming out, right? So now, fast forward, I don't have any of those problems, right? I'm perfectly healthy, probably the healthiest I've ever been uh, because I now understand how everything ticks inside. So that's what led me to where we're at. Right. And you bring up a good important point there about how our body's equipped to handle a lot of stress and a lot of exposures. But when we reach the tipping point and the cup starts to overflow, we start getting the symptoms and DNA is a way to zoom in and figure out how do I prevent that overflow from happening? Yeah. And this is the sort of misconception of what health means. It's taken for granted by the age of 50, a typical American is meant to have a chronic disease. By the age of 60, you're supposed to have two, and you're supposed to spend the last 15 year of your life in treatment. Right, so that's taken for like, you, you kind of wait to see which one am I getting? Is it breast cancer? Is it a heart attack? Like what's coming? Meanwhile, you weren't born with any of that stuff. And that's how resilient your body is. It takes that many years of doing the wrong thing before you reach again that overflow tipping point. Now, if you only understood what does the right thing, and it's not the same for all of us, you weren't born with diabetes, you weren't born with cholesterolemia, you weren't born with, you know, debilitating migraines like I had. So what led to all that? And how do you now, like myself, no, don't have those problems anymore? Right. So let's zoom out a little bit and talk about what's actually being tested when we're doing yeah. the DNA testing. I think some people might be familiar with the BRCA gene, for example, as it pertains to uh, breast and ovarian cancer risk. Uh, and I know that this test is a little bit different. Can you explain that? So that's a perfect example. So that's genetics. Genetics is this gene means this, this gene means this, this gene means this. And you're left with 80% chance of something, 60% chance of something, 0% chance of something. Why? Because the way, you know, uh, evidence-based medicine is practiced, you have to take 100 people with a problem, 100 people without, and try and find that average, which now all of a sudden you can make a product that works for everybody. So with the BRCA gene, it's a scary word to most women. It's That's a red flag for breast cancer. But what does it actually do? That's where functional genomics starts, what we do. We say this gene doesn't equal breast cancer. If that were true, then 100% of women that have it would get that, right? Why is it a 70% chance or 60% chance? The 30 or 40% that didn't get it, we're doing something right. That's the difference. 80% chance of Alzheimer's, 60%. There's always a 20, 10, 15, 30% that didn't get it with the same exact genetic profile. So we asked the question, what were they doing differently? So here's a perfect example. Why do so many women 
get breast cancer in and around the menopausal age? Why is it around that time? In If you go past BRCA, BRCA is actually a gene editing gene. Its job is to go fix other broken genes. If you have a bad version, it's not doing its job. So things that are going wrong are not being repaired. Then you start to ask, what are those things that are going wrong? That's actually what's causing the breast cancer, right? So as one example, as a female, you go from progesterone to testosterone to estrogen. If you still have a monthly cycle, that's what you do over the period of the month. That estrogen that get, then gets converted into a metabolite, either 2, 4, or 16 hydroxyestrogen, which you then clear. That's the menstrual cycle, right? You, some to some degree, have different uh, capability when it comes to clearance and detox, so you're also doing that different. So first is, what kind of hormones do I make? How toxic are they? How well do I clear them? If you are the woman that's estrogen dominant, where you're not all the same, men are not all the same either, you produce a lot more estrogen. If you're also estrogen toxic, you convert all that extra estrogen into a toxic byproduct. If you don't detox it well, the third stage of this menstrual cycle, you're holding on to it. At a younger age, that's okay because in your menstrual cycle, you're kind of clearing a lot and you're getting rid of it. It's not impactful. Once you get into menopause, you don't have a menstrual cycle anymore. So what happens to that toxic metabolite that you're creating that you're no longer able to clear? Your body stores it in fatty tissue because it wants to keep it away from the organs and everything that it could potentially damage. Where do women have fatty tissue? Hips and breasts, right? What's in the breast that was never designed to deal with that level of toxic insult? All that sensitive glands and, you know, your lungs, yes, first line defense. Breathe in garbage, filter it out. The gut, yes, filter garbage that comes from the outside. Breast tissue and glands were not designed for that. So now, even then, with this profile, still some women won't get breast cancer and some will. Then you start to ask environment, nutrition, lifestyle. We've identified this profile, estrogen dominant, estrogen toxic, doesn't clear it. That doesn't yet equal breast cancer, the way we talk about genetics. You then need to have additional load, which is I took the birth control pill for 15 years and had even more estrogen. I'm now taking hormone replacement therapy, which can be highly beneficial to people. But if you're taking the wrong version, the wrong type, which leads you to more estrogen toxicity, which is why they need guidance from people like you, like, what should I actually do? More estrogen, more estrogen toxicity. So it could be as simple as we have a patient who just as a religious Hindu didn't eat meat. So she ate a lot of tofu almost daily. So just that extra estrogen load daily, 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 she ended up with breast cancer. So now all of a sudden you go from BRCA gene, you're at risk, go get a mastectomy and prevent it. Versus here's why breast cancer, here's one of the reasons, and there's multiple reasons we can dive into. Now let's look at, do you fit in this profile? Here's what you need to do with environment, nutrition and lifestyle to, pre to prevent or mitigate the problem. Right, and my favorite part is that the types of genes that your your test explores talk about or they refer to whole body healing it's not just going to going to affect breast cancer yeah. risk it's everything and like you exactly. said with your own health history the changes that you made affected your skin health your digestive tract your mental clarity your energy everything yeah so dear disease is rooted in inflammation we already all agree on that right what is inflammation rooted in and then what does it lead to so your cells are constantly under stress and load your mitochondria everything about the cell once you get to that metabolic inflammation like the body is just completely and it takes again that many years 
that's when you have to sort of play that gamble of, okay, what disease am I going to get? It depends. Where is your cellular structure weak? Do you have a poor quality arteries? Do you have, you know, high levels of estrogen toxicity? Do you have poor brain, blood brain filter where things can pass and cause Alzheimer's, right? That barrier. So now he's, then you have to look at the actual genetics of how am I built? And then you can so I kind of guess what disease is coming. Mm -hmm. right. And it goes beyond just the, the disease and how to prevent that. Your test, from my understanding, tells us about what the best kind of exercise to do is right. and the best diets we might do the best with. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah. So again, another great example. So I can't tell you how many people we've had to tell them that their cardiovascular exercise is actually making them sick. Again, not true for everybody. Everyone's genetics are different, but we just talked about the health of the cell. So what do your cells do? They take in nutrition and they take in oxygen and they create energy, right? All your cells are doing this all day long, trying to keep stay alive. In that process of using oxygen as fuel, you're creating oxidants, which are highly toxic. So the same thing that gives you life, you know, slowly kills you, which is odd, but that's what's going on, right? It slowly ages you and ages It's a byproduct, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now there's a gene called SAW2, which determines how well do you clear that oxidant, get rid of it. It's kind of like if you had a fireplace and there's no chimney, if you have the bad quality of SAW2 and the soot, the byproduct is just piling up. Again, 20 years old, 25 years old, doesn't mean much, get to 50 and you're going to start to have a problem. So for the person who is putting themselves into oxidative stress, right, that doesn't have the capability of clearing that extra layer of oxidant that is created by doing heavy cardiovascular activity, drawing even more oxygen into the system, right? They're going to now be polluted. You're still not sick at that point. What diseases could that potentially lead to? If you have a poor quality endothelial lining that, so here's your artery, which, where, which is where most heart disease happens. It doesn't happen in the heart, usually in the arteries. The inner lining is called the endothelial, where the blood actually like touches and flows through. If you have the not so good version, which it's not like 2%, we're talking like 25, 30% of people, right? If you have the horrible version, which again, it's not 2%, it's like 20% of people, it's probably only, I would say in our research, like a 20% of people that actually have a good solid stainless steel version of this, right? If you have that poor version, it's more prone to inflammation. It's not designed to deal with abrasions and you know damage. What is your body's response to those overload of oxidants caused by too much cardiovascular output, which you can't clear for some people going here, causing damage and abrasions to the endothelial, your body will actually deploy cholesterol as a hormone to reduce the inflammation, a protective measure. Yes. And now when cholesterol meets toxicity, which it was never designed to do, we weren't evolved to do that. It hardens and gets deposited because cholesterol isn't meant to be around toxicity, right? That's the beginnings of cholesterolemia. So the thing where, hey, your cholesterol numbers are up, you need to start taking the statin or this pill. That's not the disease. That's the sort of 10, 15 year outcome of not treating arterial inflammation, which we're not testing for. We can predict this in a five-year-old kid, right? There's, your genes are your genes, they don't change. So if you know the reason why the disease happens, then again, going back to your comment about Here's how you should exercise here and cardio, weightlifting, whatever, how often, what time of day based on your hormones. It's all very specific, which your ancestors probably did 
intuitively and now you're living and doing what everybody else does right one size fits all your other comment about diet there's a clinician that we're dealing with in san diego who says that she's been very sick for two years and we said well what changed two years ago she said nothing she said i think it has something to do with menopause we said what you're describing doesn't sound like the typical menopause stuff right so we had to dig and dig and dig and then she said she was a vegan so I said, when did you become a vegan? She said, oh, about two years ago. <laughs> I said, oh, that, you, you know, when we asked you the question, you didn't think of that. So anyways, we looked into her genes and there's a gene called FUT2, which de determines how well do you break down, how well do you produce the enzymes that break down the proteins that you need from vegan foods, beans, lentils, legumes, right? Chickpeas, that type of thing. She had the worst version. She also was missing some of the key detox genes at the gut. So for, and this is going back to what you were saying about testing. It's not only about looking at gene variations. You might not even have the gene. Most genetic testing companies don't even look for that. There's something called a copy number variation where you literally don't have the gene. And that was her. She was missing the gut detox gene. Now she's causing herself this inflammatory load because she can't break this food down. She was eating a lot less than she needed to because uh, the, the bloating and the gas from this constant bean lentil legume. She just thought she was full. She wasn't, she needed more fuel. So no, not enough energy over time, do that for two years. And you start to have this inflammatory load for which the gut connected to the brain, you know, starts to cause mood issues, anxiety issues, you know, and that inflammatory load proliferates throughout the body. And it was rooted in one thing. She changed her diet. For some people, we tell them, absolutely, the vegan diet is the best thing you could do. For many more people, we say it's going to slowly kill you, right? And how do you know this unless you dive into your DNA and check? Right, because the alternative would be spending so much time, energy, money, trying out all the different trying, things. Trying, and yeah. then if you're not feeling well, how much better are you going to feel trying a diet for a few weeks or months? Yep. without changing anything else, you might not even notice if that's the best option for you. Yep. And a lot of times when you shift and go through this process you're describing, even if it's bad for you in the first month, you actually feel good. Because typically when somebody makes a diet shift or choice, it's not just I'm vegan, I'm keto, I'm paleo. Typically you're eating a lot cleaner also, but right? you're also eliminating a lot of things and that makes you feel really good. Well, I'm going to become a vegan today, but I'm I'm not going to keep drinking cans of Coke all day. Also, I'm going to probably eliminate that stuff, right? And with most diets, it takes again keto diet, a perfect example. Doesn't matter who does it in the first month, you're going to feel good. There's some people that don't metabolize fats, genetically driven. There's some people for whom, when they metabolize fats, they convert it into sugar and cause themselves an insulin spike as if they just ate cheesecake. No difference, right? In the first month, you feel good because your body starts to burn fat as fuel and you get into ketosis. Everything's great. It's a month later, six, seven weeks that when you're mismatched, the pain point starts and it doesn't get sort of correlated to the diet change because you felt so good in the first few weeks, right? It, it takes time for that. So anyways, long story short, you can be precise and not go through the trial and error. We already know what your body's designed to do and it's different for all of us. Right. And it, it's helpful to know, too, because I think people forget that our genes work in concert with each other. And yeah. sometimes when you make a lifestyle or supplement change meant to optimize one aspect of our metabolism or gene, that can really strain 
another gene or point of metabolism. The example is methylated B vitamins. I have a lot of patients coming in saying, oh, don't worry, I'm taking methylated B vitamins. And I'm like, well, I I am kind of worried because that can really strain the COMT, the CBS pathways, all the downstream. Yep. You can overmethylate and people end up with like migraines that they can't figure out and they spend years trying to figure out what's going on. Right. Mm -hmm. So exactly what you said. This is, again, the difference between genetics, this gene, this gene, this gene, functional genomics. Methylation methylation isn't a gene. It's a system. So you could have the best MTHFR. A lot of your listeners probably have already had some kind of genetic test. And, oh, my MTHFR is great. I'm a good methylator. Yeah, that's where that's the most studied gene that we talk the most about. But there's three or four genes upstream and three or four genes downstream. If they all suck, all the supporting characters aren't doing their job. It doesn't matter how good this gene is. Right. So what we call pathway interpretation or system based interpretation is much more certain. This is why in a genetic test, you typically get a probability based result. You're 80% chance of this, 20% of this. You have to map the whole system to make it 100%. It's this or this. And you can be certain if you look at the pathway of the system versus the gene itself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it sounds like absolutely everyone would benefit from this test. Any yeah, we, I, we haven't had anyone that, well, I should say there's, there's one person I can think of, literally only one person, who was built as a superhuman, who's in the Guinness Book of World Records for doing 13,000 crunches, sit-ups. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and that's the only person for who we could find nothing we could tell them. Yeah, he actually is the um, the founder of the A4M conference, that anti-aging conference. Okay. So mm-hmm. yeah, we we're working with him. And other than that one individual who just is a genetic freak, everybody has something that they need help with. Mm-hmm. That, and- whether you know or you don't even know yet. There's a lot of things where I can't sleep at night. I take a pill. No, there's actually something else going on genetically, which is three, four layers before that. If you fix that, your sleep will get fixed also. So on that point, let's talk a little bit about what to expect in the results when patients take the test. Um, What kind of reports are there? So the test itself is a saliva test. You spit in a tube, goes to the lab, very simple process. Uh, The reports that we send back, we've broken up into six systems which in our research are the things that sort of everybody benefited from that aren't clinical yet, because we allow yourself, I mean, the practitioner to dive into the clinical stuff uh, to make sure that it's being guided properly. We don't want people sort of hacking themselves when it comes to things like prostate cancer, et cetera, right? So um, the six systems we dive into are cardiovascular because it affects literally 50% of people. Uh, Diet and nutrition, which we've been speaking of. So it's not only what do I eat, but also how, you know, how do I even perceive? We, we dive into the neurochemicals and am I a binger? Am I an addict? Do I lean on food as a coping mechanism? So we, we get into a little bit more than just what to eat. Uh, fitness and hormones. So the whole struggle with body type and everybody hitting those plateaus where, yeah, the first month or two was great and I'm just stuck. I can't put on my muscle. I can't burn fat. I can't. Well, first of all, what are you designed to be genetically? You have Kim Kardashian, Kim, Kim, sorry, Kim Kardashian and Kendall Jenner, or who are sisters, who have different fathers and look at their body types, how different they are, right? That's genetically driven and we can predict that and we can tell you what you're innately designed for and also how to get to your goal, right? Uh, then there is mood and behavior, which is actually the biggest report. So we dive deep into the major neurochemicals, 
I don't need to ever meet you to understand exactly if I had your DNA hand, how do you deal with procrastination, irritability, getting stressed? Are you entrepreneurial? Should you be an accountant? It's all pre-wired up here genetically. And we, we do this for like executive teams and help them grow and connect and all that. Uh, and then inflammation and detox, which is again, the root of all disease. So we dive deep into that and then sleep. So chronic sleep from, I can't fall asleep. I can't stay asleep or I sleep, but I wake up feeling like I didn't get any rest. Those are kind of the three big buckets. And we get into circadian rhythm and some of the other areas for genetically how we can predict your sleep quality and what to do about it. So those are the big six for, you know, we found that this is kind of what everybody needs. And you're now version two of yourself. From there, people can get into more clinical work where we suggest they work with you on that. Right, because I have special training and I have researched these genes and how to optimize them and how they work together versus lifestyle behaviors. Yeah. And when you start toying around with, I'm trying to prevent breast cancer, or, you know, I'm worried about, you know, depression that was in my family, you need clinical support. It's the answers mm -hmm. are there, but implementing it, the accountability around actually doing, because keep in mind, the answer to this stuff isn't a prescription with a pill. It's not the easy way out, mm -hmm. right? It's we're going to give you the best possible answer, which is not how do you mask the symptom? What's going on three, four five layers before the symptom, the true root cause, but it takes work. You have to change the way you eat, the way you interact with people. It could be, I can't tell you how many people for whom we solve their health problem by telling them to change their mattress because they're missing the key detox genes that are the first line of defense of the lungs. And when they breathe in things, they can't filter them. And when you sleep on a mattress, you're, you're in California, right? Yes. Yeah. So California has one of the worst, by the way, uh, regulations around fire retardants and chemicals on mattresses. They mm -hmm. actually mandate it's required. Um, and so you're sleeping on this thing for eight, nine hours, seven hours, maybe who knows what it is. And you're breathing this stuff in all night. For some people, no problem. For some people, migraines, eczema, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it's, we'll get to the real stuff, but this is why, you know, working with a clinician, all of a sudden there's somebody, accountability coach that's getting you through all this stuff, which it's, it's a different way to look at health. And then on top of the clinician stepping in and making, helping guide patients through the results, there's also the reports themselves, which from my research on them, they're very comprehensive and patient friendly and have a lot of tips. Yeah, we try and, so one of the key gaps with genetics is it's not actionable. Meaning that you buy a DNA test somewhere and you're told, it seems like you have an 80% chance of Alzheimer's. Other than anxiety, what did you just do for me, right? Mm -hmm. uh, okay, now I just have to sit and wait and see what happens. What we get into is first of all, yes, that, but then the why. And if you know the why, then you know what to do about it. And the recommendations are built right in. So we actually walked, uh, sorry, worked with Dr. BJ Fogg. So he wrote the book, Tiny Habits. Uh, he's a, he runs the Stanford University Behavioral Change Lab. So they study and research behavioral change and they have courses around it that a lot of these tech companies take to build products, right? So we went to him and said, here's, we, we figured out the what's wrong and what to do about it. But how do we actually get people to implement this stuff? So he took all of our science and wrapped his behavioral change knowledge around it. And it's built right into the reports. 
So when you read it, it kind of, it's so easy. It seems intuitive. Like, yeah, I already knew that, but that's the whole point. He makes it very easy. Right? And that's what's, what we feel has been missing from genetics. We put it right into the reports. Mm -hmm. And then my understanding is that you're continually doing more research on the genes, yeah. how they interact. So what can patients expect from being part of the DNA company and having the, having their genes in the database and, you know, future follow-up. So the core, uh, 360 is what we, our core flagship product is called that report that has these six systems I was telling you about sleep, etc. That report will continue to improve on its own. So every five, six months, if you go back to it, you're going to learn more. Our, our, it's a digital platform that's launching and actually, so up until now, it's been a paper report. We have a digital platform, which you're one of the few people in the world that's actually seen it, right? And that's launching uh, in a couple of weeks and that thing will keep improving, right? But beyond that, we understand and believe that it's not just this, we need to do deeper clinical dives. So we're building a suite of clinical level reports, meaning, hey, here's your fitness and hormone report, which is in 360. What about fibromyalgia? What about, you know, fertility? What about PCOS? Like clinical level stuff. So we're building reports for each one of those, starting with female hormone health. And why did we pick that first? Because we found that in all the work we've done, we've sat in front of 7,000 patients now, one by one by one by one. That's the area that needs the most help. It, it completely sucks that that experience. Why do you think that is? What What's contributing? I think it's just, so again, if it comes to acute care, I broke my arm, I have a terminal disease. We have the best healthcare we've ever seen in the history of this planet. That same approach is applied to chronic conditions, which is how do we mask the symptom? If we can get rid of the pain the person's complaining about, check mark, we did our job. But chronic diseases, are not the problem that's your body screaming please dig and figure out what's going on 15 right? 20 years later yes yeah mm -hmm. and this is the why female hormone health in terms of our healthcare model is not working well because by the time you get to the pain point of fibromyalgia and you just keep masking that thing there, there's something brewing underneath that you're not dealing with that's now going to cause another problem and another and you're going to end up like me where you have five different conditions right? Deal with the hub that's causing all these folks. So what we did was we actually sat with, um, I'd say like 3000 women. Now, uh, the first 500 were actually from a breast cancer clinic. And then we move on to a lot of other things. And we said, let's map out female hormones. So it's more precise. And, and if I can test, by the way, my own niece who just turned uh, 14, I've worked through all of her stuff. She was prescribed an anxiety pill right? Which she is not taking now because we've understood it was, it was in her hormones. It was a hormonal issue she was having, having beginning of her menstrual cycle every month. Plus being home because of COVID and not getting enough vitamin D was exaggerating that problem. And it all of a sudden looked like anxiety and she was prescribed a pill. So I looked into her DNA to figure out what was actually going on. And she not, she's not taking that pill. And she also doesn't have the problem anymore because we resolved it at the genetic level, right? So anyways, long story short, as we've understood that all this gray stuff of it's your hormones, you're supposed to have problems is actually very black and white. We went from an infinite number of, well, how do you solve this for all women to we've now understood by, by studying 3000 women that you always fit into one of six buckets, 
so there's literally six hormonal buckets. We didn't know that we were going to find this out. We sort of stumbled across it because it was always the same one of six profiles. Now we can help women so much better because it's solving one of six problems. And by the way, the middle two don't need any help. They're optimal. It's the outside two that are extreme on one end or the other that need some kind of help, right? So we brought it from an infinite number of problems to like four profiles. So, and that's the area. So it's so long, what I was saying earlier, we're launching those reports first, and then we're going to move on to other things. Which is another helpful, more actionable thing. Like you said, I've had patients get genetic tests. Their, cl- their clinician looks at it for a month or two, you know, they follow up with it a little bit and then it drops off. And, then it and drops so this is a growing, evolving test. Um, the results are growing and evolving and you can continue to get insight into your health. Yep. And your DNA doesn't change. So you're getting tested once. Mm-hmm. Our intention is to keep adding more sort of information so you can keep learning. And so how do our patients access this test? So ideally, uh, so we're working together with you to bring this to your city and community, like coming mm-hmm. soon, right? Uh my suggestion is to work with your clinic so people can come to our website if they want, you know, it's there. They won't get the clinical support from us. They're going to get a report, right? If they work with you. So one thing that we're not able to give the patient is a clinical summary because now all of a sudden you're getting into uh, using diagnostic level language, which we are literally regulatory wise, not allowed to provide a customer or sorry, consumer, I should say. So this is why we most of what we do is working through clinicians because that's where we can deliver the most value. We we really put very little effort into marketing directly to the public. Um, in working with a clinician, we are then able to provide the clinician that clinical summary. It's an additional report, which we are not literally not allowed to provide a consumer, which goes straight to the red flags. So here's the things we found that need to be focused on. And it's not like, hey, you can't sleep at night you know, it's no, this person is at heightened risk for depression. Maybe it didn't happen yet, but it could happen. And the recommendations are built in. Here's what supplements they need to be taking. Here's what they need to change in the environment, lifestyle, nutrition, etc. So yes, there's some of that in the 360, but not clinical level. We're not allowed to, right? Mm-hmm. So my, my recommendation would be to work with uh, yourself, like through a clinician. But again, anyone's welcome to come to the dnacompany.com and explore and learn. Uh, if you go to the blog, you'll learn a lot about what type of insights you can find. Um, we put some content up there and like anecdotal, their actual are, are sort of uh, client stories. Um, but ideally working with a clinician partner, you can then do a more deeper clinical dive. Mm-hmm. And that is something that we're working on. We're, we're very close to having the link on the website so that patients can start ordering the test through us and then consult at our clinic with our practitioners. Right. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. exciting because all of a sudden, uh, there's a whole other layer of taking the trial and error out of stuff and these questions of why, why, why the answers will be there. Right. Mm-hmm. And beyond meeting with a practitioner to go over the results, there's also the podcast component. Correct. Podcast on, on our end. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So our podcast is called unpilled. It actually just launched a month or so ago. Uh, and it just, because so many of our customers are saying, tell us more, tell us more, tell us more. So we're diving into stories, you know, we actually the one that's coming out, I think next week is around uh, breast implant illness. So, you know, a- mm-hmm. after dealing with breast cancer, so many women then get implants 
uh, and end up suffering from a whole other slew of problems. Some don't, and we've dove into the genetics of that. So we actually work with a clinician who's done the sort of largest study on the, you know, the, my, the, the actual sequencing of the microbes and bacteria that are in that implant that's been explanted and removed. And then we've understood genetically what profile of woman who would actually be able to cope with the implant or would end up having that problem. And if they have the problem, what they should do about it. So it's just one example of one of the, an episode that's coming out next week. Yeah, but it's the unpilled podcast, wherever you listen to pod, your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, so we just launched, but there'll be a lot of great content coming there. For someone with a background in uh, PR, you've had to learn quite a lot to get where you are now. Yeah. I'm like quite is, the expert. <laughs> when you talk to most functional medicine, and this is, by the way, the majority of who we work with are functional medicine doctors, right? Root cause. Doc- and it's the same story every single time. Why did you switch from becoming an MD to you know, where insurance companies were paying you and everything was great and you had a waiting list to being a functional doctor who's now running your practice. Why did you go from being a personal trainer to deciding to become a functional doctor? Because they themselves were sick. Mm-hmm. It's always the same story. Mm-hmm. They themselves were sick and they couldn't get healthy. Mm-hmm. The, the solutions that we're giving to them were making, making them even more sick. That's what was happening to me. Mm-hmm. Right? So they then self-discovery, whether it's healing the gut, whether it's working with the brain, whether it's diving into genomics or a combination of all these things, learn that health isn't symptom masking, it's system supporting. If your systems are healthy, there's no symptom, right? So I went through the exact same thing myself. And I, I dove so deep that I literally took the keys to my PR company and gave it to the staff. Mm-hmm. Literally, I said, thank you. You guys helped me build this thing. You keep it. I found what I need to focus on. And mm-hmm. I walked away. It's powerful. Yeah. So one of the, the main points I want to leave listeners with is we've been talking about health optimization and then also managing chronic disease. And I want to make sure that everyone knows that that's the same thing in this area. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It just chronic disease all the, the big problem with how, so first of all, 90% of our healthcare budget is spent on chronic disease. That tells you a couple of things that it's, it's prolific. It hits everybody, but we're not solving the problem. $3.6 trillion a year is spent on chronic disease, right? Mm-hmm. This is for the most part preventable. So why are we spending so much money on it? Because, and so much pain and so much effort, because we're not dealing with it the way it needs to be dealt with. We're taking that acute care toolkit. Somebody came to the hospital and needs an emergency Band-Aid, which really works well for acute care. And we're using that same toolkit here, which is not at all how you should treat, treat chronic disease, right? The, what you need to do is understand why it's happening and get rid of it. We have patients who we've reversed their diabetes. We've reversed their cholesterol issues. You know, women for whom have had breast cancer twice that, you know, Thank God it's now three, four, five years into the program. They're fine because we got into and I, I'm in this. We can't promise that this is the same for everybody. But if we can answer the why, then we know what to work on. Right now, all of a sudden, here's the thing that went wrong. Just focus on this. Then don't worry about all these symptoms that are coming. They're going to go away. Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. No, it was a pleasure. It was great to talk to you. Yeah, I'm sure uh, we'll have future conversations as we continue to expand the partnership and what we can offer patients. And as you learn more too, we'd love to have you on. Sure, I'd love any anytime.